Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People Podcast. I'm Michelle Kane, founder of World of Vegan. And I'm Tony Okamoto, founder of Plant Based on a Budget and Food Sharing Vegan. On this show, we talk with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring people from around the world to empower you, dear listener, to learn, explore, and evolve in a kind, sustainable, and healthy direction, all while eating the most delicious food and living your best life. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's hard to believe we're already entering a new year. I feel like 2023 just flew by, but we both love a fresh start and love using this time of year to reset and reflect on how the last year has gone and visualize what we hope and dream for the year ahead. And I'm really excited to get that started with Michelle. We're both huge goal setters. And Tony and I actually meet up every January to set our goals and intentions for the coming year, which really helps us define our focus as we step into the new year. It's kind of hard to put into words how much my life has changed for the better as a direct result of taking time to think about what I want each year and what's most important to me. And I highly recommend that you try it too if you don't do that already. I created a few goal setting worksheets. So if you would like to try it out. I will drop that link in our show notes at plantpoweredpodcast.com. You can just print them off and it'll give you some little prompts to think about your goals for the year ahead. And I recommend giving it a go. Agreed. It's really life-changing and I'm so grateful to Michelle for being my accountability buddy. We also have a lot of other resources, which we'll make sure to include in the show notes, but we've got our plant-based on a budget meal plan challenge going on right now. And you can find information on that at plantbasedmealplan.com. We also have the Thrive Bundle going on, which is so cool because you have access to tons of different courses and eBooks to get you started on overall wellness. It's of course plant-based, but there's also some good stuff about how to arrange your home in a way that's positive and for yoga practices and how to organize your kitchen. So make sure to check that out at thrivebundle.com. And then of course, we've got worldofvegan.com and plantbasedonabudget.com where you have so many guides on Michelle's website and tons of recipes on both of our websites. So check that out at plantbasedonabudget.com and worldofvegan.com. Before we jump in, we'd like to give a massive shout out to our podcast sponsors, Seed and Global Healing. We often talk about habit stacking, which is this idea that you can more easily build new habits by linking the new desired behavior with an existing old habit. So they essentially become connected in your brain and eventually they become routine and automatic behavior that we do without thinking. For example, if you want to eat more veggies, you can decide that before you grab a snack, you'll always go grab some baby carrots to munch on first. And if you want to remember to take your vitamins or probiotics, keep a glass of water by your bed and take them every morning before you get out of bed. If taking probiotics is one of your goals, our sponsor Seed is becoming a huge leader in the field of gut health. They make a plant-based daily symbiotic that is the most consciously crafted, scientifically backed probiotics that we know of. And the plant-based capsules are made to survive through the digestion. So around 100% of the probiotic starting dose makes it to your colon. And we love that they have sustainable packaging. The symbiotics come in a refillable glass jar to minimize single-use plastics. 
If you're looking for a fantastic source of probiotics, definitely check out Seed and start a new healthy habit today. You can visit seed.com slash plantpowered and use the code plantpowered to redeem 30% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 daily symbiotic. That's seed.com slash plantpowered and use code plantpowered. We'd like to give a big thank you to Global Healing for sponsoring this episode. For 25 years, they've been making wellness products that are created by nature and backed by science. We especially love their vitamin D. My husband and I got our blood tested earlier in the year, and I'm pleased to say that I had a clean bill of health minus my vitamin D deficiency. It takes a long time, about 30 to 40 minutes for me to absorb vitamin D with my skin color. So it's important for me to supplement. And I started using Global Healing's vegan vitamin D and all is well in my world again. Their vegan-friendly formula delivers a biologically active form of vitamin D that supports strong bones, immune function, and optimal brain activity. With so many people worldwide lacking sufficient vitamin D levels, their formula is the perfect choice for anyone seeking a plant-based source of this vital nutrient. So make sure you check out their website at globalhealing.com. And I hope you learn from me that you shouldn't forget to take your vitamin D3. You can save 15% with code PLANT15 at globalhealing.com. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Before we jump in, we'd love to just hear a little bit about who you are, if you can share and in brief kind of the journey you're going to be sharing with us today. Right now, I'm a photojournalist and filmmaker. Uh, I work almost exclusively in animal rights movement. I work with people like Sean Monson, who directed Earthlings, Moby, Joaquin Phoenix. I've been an organizer for organizations like Animal Save Movement and LA Animal Save for almost a decade. and that's who I am now. I started out as someone who was very unhealthy, very depressed, very disconnected, let's say, instead of depressed, disconnected. And because of people like my brother, I was able to change my lifestyle habits, change my diet, and therefore change my future into something that I I was excited about being a part of. Can you share a little bit about your background and your upbringing? Yeah. So uh, I'm a seventh generation Texan which means I grew up on barbecue and burgers and watching football and boxing and things like that. I did always love animals, though, but that was my childhood, and it was pretty standard childhood, really. Uh, sports and high school and friends and all of that. And my health was always fine. I was you know, a three-sport athlete in high school, but it wasn't until after college that my health started to change and my my world as a result started to change. Can you share what what happened? What was that what was that like? Things really started to change, I guess. Well, you guys know my brother Adam. He was he's been on the show, like you said. And it was really during his struggle with addiction, things started to change for me as well. He dropped out of school. We we went to college together. We had done everything together. And now all of a sudden I found myself alone and, and dealing with things that I had normally I had someone to lean on. And now I was dealing with them myself. And I found myself using food as a substitute for the support and coping mechanism 
that I would have with having Adam in my life uh, that I didn't have anymore. That resulted in me putting on a bunch of weight, weighing 300 pounds eventually, being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, hypertension, high blood pressure, sleep disorder, depression, everything else that goes along with living a sedentary lifestyle where you don't really see a future that you're excited about. That's a lot to hit all at one time. Like I I think mental health is kind of a lot in itself and one dealing with one thing is a lot and I think turning to food as comfort is something that so many of us can relate to and have been through and food is comforting. So I think that's so relatable. Can you share more about what your life looked like before you ended up feeling inspired to make big changes on the mental health side of things and then what inspired you to take action because I know a lot of times when life feels really heavy and really overwhelming it can just kind of drive you deeper deeper into feeling like it's impossible to step out of that situation so how, what did that look like and then what gave you the pull to pull yourself out yeah first it was it was difficult because when I went to college I had this idea of who I was going to be you know, I was going to graduate, I was going to be a filmmaker, I was going to have this exciting life. And I was coping or sort of mourning the loss of that person, because that person didn't seem possible anymore. I was living in Austin, I was working, just shooting interviews of people who wanted to tell their life story. It was really boring. I didn't have much of a social life because I didn't feel comfortable in public anymore. So my life was basically eating fast food, playing online video games with some friends and and that was about it and then and then working and so there was not a lot of joy or fulfillment in my life other than what I was you know the, the dopamine response that I was getting from the food that I was eating or the video games that I was playing my brother who at the time was now 3 years sober he had already gone adopted a plant-based lifestyle and I saw what it had done for him but I was still in a place where I just wasn't, you know, for those three years, I, I wasn't ready to say, even though it was my twin brother, my identical twin brother, who I trust more than anyone else in the world, I still wasn't able to say, I will take the risk of giving up the only source of joy in my life on the gamble that you're telling me the truth, that my life will get better. And eventually, you know, my, my health started getting worse and I was getting put on more medication. My dog had passed away, so I had you know nothing holding me to Austin, Texas anymore, which is when my brother asked if I would move to L.A. to live with him and adopt his plant-based lifestyle. And I, it was, I don't know what, if it was just that I had no, no more excuses, that I, just, I finally just said, yes, okay, I'll do it. And that was uh, in January of 2015, I believe. Wow, that's... Really, several things. One, I'm sorry that you were feeling so down. We've had a couple other people with this particular type of episode. One is actually Michelle's friend, Eric Gray, And he had a similar experience of not wanting to leave and, and it just not wanting to leave his house, not wanting to go out in public because people were... He felt very judged by his appearance. and breaks my heart. And I'm sorry that you felt that way. The other thing is that 
it's amazing that you had a family member who cared about you so much and was willing to provide you the resources and the motivation. I know a lot of people in my family have really suffered from type 2 diabetes and heart disease, and you never really know what to do as a family member. And it sounds like you had the best case scenario with someone who loved you so much that you felt comfortable going and living with him. I think it has to do a lot with, and Adam has talked about this, the way you, you I think you, you, the way you deal or, or treat these you know, people in those situations like myself, it's the same way you treat someone who's suffering from, say, suicidal depression or addiction. They are feeling broken. And what you need to do is you need to tell them, hey, I just want you to know that I love you whether you're using or not. I love you whether you're depressed or connected. I love you whether you're unhealthy or healthy. And I'm here for you. And I want you to know that I'm not, you have value in my life just because you're in my life, right? Let them feel like there's, that they have value just by being them, being who they are, that they're not a machine with broken parts. And uh, I think that approach can give people more courage to say, okay, but there is some things that I need to change. And if you are really willing to help me, uh, I'll agree to, to, to do that. I think that's so huge. And I think it's something that anyone who's struggling with anything almost needs to hear. Even if you're not struggling, you want to hear that from your loved ones. But I think we have so much in our minds that kind of work against us. And if we feel pressure around something, it can cause kind of a closing up and a backing away rather than a eagerness to step into discomfort. I don't know. Just hearing you say that was so comforting. And I hope that we can all hear that message from the people that we love, especially when we're hurting and we need some support and love. To add to that, Michelle, I got emotional hearing you say that, Bobby, because to be loved as you are is something that not a lot of people get to experience when you're making mistakes in life and maybe mistreating people or just in a bad way that's not your best version of yourself and to still be loved and to still have people in your corner believing that you can be a better version of yourself and help you get there is a beautiful thing that I'm glad you got to experience. And I think that that comes down to like hold people's actions accountable, but don't condemn a person for their actions. We are not our actions. We've all acted in ways that are completely opposite of who we believe we are and, and the person we try to project and, and, and the person we try to be. We've all done it. Like, you know, the saying, what if we were all remembered for our worst behavior? And I think it's helpful to know that, to have people tell you that they care about you and they appreciate you and they value you at a time in your life where you have to recognize that the position you're in is more or less, it is the result of the choices that you have made. So in your head, you're going to say, I'm here because it's my fault. You know, no mm. one has type 2 diabetes if they didn't give to themselves. No one, you know, maybe an incredibly small amount of people, uh, you know, the exception of an incredibly small amount of people, most people are obese because of the choices that they made and the lifestyle that they chose. And they think that by accepting this, what they don't realize is when you accept that, you realize all you have to do is change. Everything that you want in life is possible if you decide, if you accept that 
I'm a result of my habits. My habits need to change and then my future will change. So you were in a bad place prior to going out to LA to live with Adam. Once you got there, what did life look like for you? How did that progress go? There are a lot of people who are listening right now who are looking to make health changes. And if you have any insights that you could share to give motivation, what would those be? Yeah, for me, it was, I was lucky because living with Adam, it, and, I, and I, I recommend that everyone try to do this the best they can. I was living in a fail-proof environment. I was living in an environment that looked like my goals because that was the environment that my brother was living in. There was nothing but both low-fat, whole food, plant-based options in the house. You know, there, there was no other options. So if I was hungry and I was grabbing a snack, it was fine because I was grabbing something like, you know, carrots. I wasn't going to fail in that environment. And you do have to accept that positive change doesn't come from a place of comfort. I think we've all heard a version of that before. And that you're going to be uncomfortable, but you'll survive. You just have to accept that you're going to be uncomfortable for a bit and it's not going to kill you. For me, 100% is always easier than 90. I didn't want to say I'll do 90% whole food plant-based diet. That Again, that's just me. I understand that everyone's different and everyone approaches things differently. So for me, it was easier to just say, today I'm doing it 100%. And uh, from the day I started, in one month I had lost 40 pounds. And in six months, six weeks, I had completely reversed my type 2 diabetes. You were set up for success because Adam kept a home that didn't have the types of foods that you were trying to avoid. And I feel like that's such a gift that Adam provided to you, but it's also a gift that we can provide to ourselves by having self-control. And I know in our home, I am a big dessert lover. I can eat cake. I can eat a whole cake after dinner every day if we had cake at our house after dinner every day. But for for us at our home, we try to keep a lot of ripe fruit on hand, like really juicy peaches and juicy pears. And it's my neighbor's got a persimmon tree. So we've got tons of persimmons on the counter and having really sweet fruit available after dinner makes me grab one of those because I know it's going to be a pleasurable experience that is curbing my sweet craving. And that helps me stay away from eating the whole cake afterward. And I'm, I have a lot of people in my life with type 2 diabetes. So I'm really aware of what that looks like long term and how it can claim your life. It can cause amputations. It can bring your family suffering. It can bring you suffering. And so I am mindful of choosing the options because I know what the consequences are of of long-term habits that include high sugar desserts. Uh, so yeah, so exercising self-control is hard, but the payoff long-term and the way that you'll avoid suffering and that you'll help your family avoid suffering is also a high motivation. Yeah. And, you know, self-control is, is difficult which is why the best self-control is the self-control you don't have to use. So if you don't have the option to fail, if you don't have the bad option around, 
that you don't have to use your self-control. You just grab what's there. That's a very helpful tool that people can use if they're if they're really they're really dedicated to creating change in their life. Did you go I, to the doctor at any time around this time when you were experiencing the benefits that come with plant-based eating? The day I started, I went to see Dr. Matt Letterman. He's from he's in, from Forks Over Knives, and he was at a uh, wellness clinic that was attached to Whole Foods in Pasadena. And he did all my blood work and looked over all my medications and was asking, okay, so w- what is the plan here? What are you going to be doing? And I said, well, I'm going to be eating the, the diet that my brother is eating and living the lifestyle that my brother is living. And he took my bag of medicine and threw it in the garbage. He said, well, you don't need that then. Wow. We actually had a similar experience. Michelle and I worked with a man named Raul, and we did a very mini documentary. It's 13 minutes long. It was called Seven Days Documentary. And we worked with Dr. Michael Greger to analyze Raul's blood test on day one and then on day seven. And we were really impressed by how you he was um, pre-diabetic and, and he reversed that. And his LDL cholesterol dropped in half and it happens quickly. And it's awesome if people are listening to this. It's January 1st. If you get your blood tested this week and then again at the end of the month, how quickly you can reclaim your health. Oh, it's amazing. The drastic amount of change that you can make, especially to things like blood sugar and cholesterol, when you consider that you're going from a diet that's high in fat and high in cholesterol to a diet that's low in fat and zero cholesterol. The math is pretty simple. I'd love to hear more about like the functional changes that you made, like what you were eating. I think I, I'm so curious to dive into that. But first, I feel a little differently than Tony about like self-control because that is something that I very much struggle with. And I think as much as our choices create, you know, who we are and who we become, I think people are dealt different bodies and people have, you know, different minds and different struggles. And I feel like I have a body that I can eat pretty much anything and it's pretty lenient with me. And if it wasn't, I think I could easily get to a very, a point where I feel pretty low and my body could feel pretty unhealthy. And I feel like I would have a really hard time pulling myself out of that. Or even just like having consistent self-control. Like I can't consistently go to the gym. I haven't been in three years. I can't consistently do almost anything in my life. So it's really hard to do that, especially when it's such a dramatic change in something like food that is a choice you have to keep making every few hours of the day. So I'd love to hear more about your mindset or any tips you have for people who maybe want to make a change or build healthier habits. Like how do you actually, even throughout the course of a day and then day after day after day, help yourself make choices that are supportive of your own well-being? We talk, we, we say things like awareness. And people act like, well, you know, awareness can be difficult. It's, awareness is not difficult. We just have to remember to do it. And I had to be very aware that every diet I had tried before, uh, whether it was keto or some form of low-carb diet, my motivation for that was that I hated how I looked and I hated how I felt. I didn't like how I, how it felt to move through my life. And so every time I would eat whatever I was eating on that diet or go to the gym, it was a reminder of how much I hated how I looked and how I felt and how much I hated my life. I won't deny 
that hate is a great motivator for short-term change. In my experience, I've never seen it create lasting change. So this time I was very aware that I had to make this about love and not hate, that I'm doing this because I love myself and I'm treating myself the way I deserve to always be treated. I love what I'm doing for myself, how it feels to be doing it and how I'm going to feel. That way, when I would prepare, say, a a bowl of beans and cauliflower and corn with a either a fat-free or a low-fat sauce, some kind of bowl, bean bowl or, or cauliflower bowl like that, that I had to be very aware that this was an act of self-care and self-love. That way I could fall in love, not with the goal, but fall in love with the steps that get me there. The runner who loves every step finishes every race. And that's the mindset that I had to adapt. And my brother helped me do that. And it's hard at times because it is not going to be easy. It's not like I just said, I'm going to love this. And then I loved it. You have to be actively engaging and saying that being aware that this is how I care for myself. And I love that I'm finally caring for myself. And you do see results in like two weeks and that feels great. You know, and that, and that helps motivate you. And it's not where, where hate is exhausting. Loving yourself and loving what you're doing for yourself is inspiring. And it inspires you to keep doing it and doing it more. And how can I do it better? That was sort of my headspace at the time. This is a very... Um different parallel but <laughs> I have a toddler and he we've been doing potty training and I feel like my little one is is a lot older than many kids are when they would be fully potty trained and we've tried like every method but there ends up being a lot of kind of I think shame built around going to the bathroom built in based on how my husband and I were handling it even just being like oh no you missed it or like think like comments like that that are like, you'll get it next time. But what he's hearing is, oh my gosh, I'm disappointing, you know, and I didn't do the thing that I wanted to do. And so there's all this shame and it made it so that he couldn't, like he didn't want to, there was nothing exciting there to draw him to feel good about going to the bathroom. And his teachers sat us down and said, hey, I think maybe just removing any effort on your end to try and help him learn how to use the potty and instead just like, be supportive and loving and like he'll you know it's not like he's gonna go to the college and still still be in pull-ups he he'll figure it out on his own and almost immediately when we removed all pressure with the situation and like held our tongue with like anything that was like we're scooping poop out of his underwear and stuff because they missed the toilet but like just making it purely positive so fast we started seeing massive progress and he was really excited to use the bathroom and just like put the control and positive space in his hands. And I think that's the case with so many things, even like in a workspace, if you're being judgmental and, you know, put all these goals that can't be met and all these things on people, it's going to make them feel stressed out and not want to go to work. And if you create a positive environment that's just supportive, then people are excited to go to work and see what they can achieve that day. And I think setting that environment and mindset um, in our families, with our kids, with the people we work with, with our loved ones, in so many ways can help each other step into our doing cool things that it makes us feel good. And uh, yeah, it's like as simple as taking the pressure off. Yeah. And this is something that I've struggled with in the animal rights community as well. After I lost 40 pounds, I decided, okay, I was going to go to the gym. I didn't want to do it until then because I still didn't feel comfortable enough. I still had a lot of shame. 
and I was projecting what the alpha male and females in the gym were going to say, what the alpha males were going to, you know, think that I was weak and the alpha females were going to think that I was ugly. But I finally, after I lost 40 pounds, convinced myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. And when I got there, all I got was the opposite, especially from all the alphas. All I got was encouragement and kindness and motivation from them. And throughout my entire journey over that year, every milestone I hit, even if I just like thought, okay, I'm not going to celebrate this milestone. They wouldn't let me off the hook. They would celebrate it with me. And they were encouraging me and it created this environment that I wanted to be a part of. That was, that was, that felt comfortable and, and safe and motivating. And instead, you know, there's a reason that you don't shame, that you don't ridicule someone who's overweight at the gym because we don't shame people for trying. And I, I think that that's, it should go across the board in, in everything that instead of ridiculing someone, instead of ridiculing someone, uh, which requires nothing. It asks nothing of us because I don't need to know anything about you to ridicule you. I could just say something like, oh, you're stupid. But having compassion for someone in the position they're in and realizing that no matter who it is, you can, you can relate in some way. You can validate their experience in some way. Let them feel heard. Let them feel seen. And then motivate them, encourage them, and say that you can, you can continue. You can do this. What you're doing right now is fantastic. And I'll support you 100%. And if you feel like you can do more, let me know and I'll help you do that. I think that's the position we need to take on a lot of different things. I love that. I think there's a lot of things even like I'm thinking in my life that I haven't done because I felt not good enough or I felt insecure or I could like almost feel the judgment of the people around me. And in reality, a lot of times we're our own self-critic. And so none of that's actually happening. We're projecting it right out and back at ourselves. And so to help ourselves like kind of shift the mindset there, one of the things that I've started thinking it, to myself is that when I'm, I'll just use it unrelated. Let's say I'm playing guitar. I'm not good at guitar. I don't want to play around other people because I'm terrible and they're good. But <laughs> if I go and play guitar around someone who's good, I'm making them feel really good about themselves. Like by by showing my imperfect and I'm giving other people permission to step out and imperfectly into this world and try things and, you know, just be their authentic selves without feeling like we have to just perfect ourselves before we can step into the world, because that's what creates this whole self-created shame spiral that just keeps spreading around our world. So I think a, it's really beautiful that you pushed yourself to show up, even though you felt, you know, scared of how people were going to react. And it's beautiful that the world showed up back for you. But I think a lot of times people don't, it takes tremendous courage to show up. And then a lot of times the world doesn't show up back for you. So you might step out and then get hurt. And you might not step out, but it's just, hopefully your story helps inspire more people to have the courage to wherever they are in whatever point, step out as their authentic selves and feel proud of that. That's exactly right. And it certainly helped me because over the co course of that year, I ended up losing over a hundred pounds, reversing all chronic illness and, you know, hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, and getting off a lot of the medications that I was on. So, uh, yeah, that was, and that was because people were not 
criticizing me and not shaming me. People were, you know, encouraging me. And uh, I don't know if I could have done it the other way. Did you have doctors that like before plant-based doctors that you could go back to and say, look what eating plants did for me? Can you talk a little bit more about that, that experience and that journey now? You feel inspired to make a change. You're starting to change the way you're eating fast. You're seeing things happen. Like what happens from there? Yeah. And, you know, I've been asked this and I've thought about, you know, my endocrinologist who, when they diagnosed me as type two diabetic, just gave me metformin and said, here, do this. And never once said, maybe try adopting a plant-based diet or something like that. I'm not upset with him or, or anything like that because one, most doctors don't know. Most doctors, medicine is their toolbox. That's what they do. Two, I needed to be on that medication whether I was on plant-based diet that day or not. You know, I was 300 pounds. I had a blood, sh- a resting blood sugar of like 300. Anything could have happened. I needed to be on medication, and then adopt a plant-based diet and move on from there. It would have been nice if that option was offered to me. And it's frustrating when I'm talking to family members who like my aunts and uncles who are struggling with different you know, health ailments, uh, including diabetes, who are just so unwilling to, to believe that what I'm saying might have some validity, even though they've seen the changes that I've made. But at the same time, I understand it because I did that for three years. It's this weird sort of thing, this survival instinct that we have in our brain that says, I want to try and get the most for the least. I want the most reward for the least amount of effort. You know, if they experience the dopamine that they're getting from their food as their reward for very little effort, it's hard to get someone to change something that requires an entire dietary and lifestyle habit change, uh, which is going to have very little dopamine response. So it's a lot of people are going to fall off simply because of that. It's understandable. Okay, so you completely revolutionized your diet. Can you paint a picture of what that looks like? Like, what were you eating? I mean, snacking on carrots and stuff, but what were you eating? And at that time, and then I guess through now, like, were you feeling full, fulfilled? Like, was it, was it really hard? Because you're, I mean, even if I try and eat healthy for a week, I am struggling to, I'm struggling. So, what does that look like? And then what t- tips do you have pe- for people to set themselves up for healthy success in terms of like what food to have in the kitchen? What specific meals did you love prepping? Yeah, there's something that uh, the plant-based community does when they, when they talk to people who are about improving their health that I think maybe needs to be modified a little bit. At least maybe it has been. I, I, I'm in the animal rights community. Maybe this has been. But I was being told, you know, as long as you're eating a whole food plant-based diet, you can eat as much as you want. And it's just not true. And I got very frustrated because there was a brand at the time called Engine 2, which is now called Plant Strong. And they had this cereal that I loved. And I wanted to have it for dinner as well. And my brother's like, no, you can't, you can't have that for dinner. And I was like, why? He's like, no, it's got too much fat and calories for dinner. I was like, but I was told I can eat whatever I wanted as long as it was this. He's like, well, yeah, yes and no. And that was really frustrating. But for me, I'm one of those I'm the type of person who can eat the same thing every day and not really have it bother them that much as long as I like it. My menu was pretty small. I just found some things that I knew I liked to eat. 
uh, for breakfast, it was oatmeal or the engine two cereal. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. And then for lunch, I would have a cauliflower and broccoli and bean bowl with uh, and a and a big like this is a, I think this is a mistake people make when they adopt plant based diet is they keep their portion sizes the same. You have to expand your portion size. This bowl was a big bowl, like a huge amount of food to where you're like struggling to finish it at the end. But it's mostly cruciferous vegetables and beans. So there is really no dangerous amount of that. No one ever got, no one ever got fat eating broccoli and beans ever. Never happened. And for me, I always prefer, I will always substitute taste for more of something. So I would add, like if I was having cereal, I would add like, puffed wheat, which was like flavorless and had like no nutritional value basically, but it did have fiber and it did allow me to eat more of more breakfast basically. As far as what to eat, you really just find that, find those things that you enjoy that are, that you are, that you know you will make. Cause that's a big thing for me. I'm a lazy cook. If it requires too much of a process to make it, I won't do it. I know I won't. And I recently started a new gym routine and a new diet because I want to improve my overall fitness. And I have products that say to grill them. And I don't, I, I, I throw them in an air fryer because I just, I'm lazy like that. And I know that and that's fine. And I, and I, I like the way it is this way. You need to find things that one, you know, you will make, you know, you will eat. And I can't say that it isn't going to be challenging at first because of course it will. There were times I went to bed at night and I was upset. I was angry because dinner was not as satisfying as I wanted it to be. And I just had to accept that that was going to be my life for like three weeks. That's not an unreasonable ask. See, when, when someone says you need to go vegan for the rest of your life, by definition, that is an unreasonable ask. I know every vegan that's listening to this is like, oh, how do you say that? Oh my God. Nobody can say that they'll do anything for the rest of their lives. It's a ridiculous statement. But yep. you can ask anyone to do almost anything for two or three weeks, even if it's difficult. So say, look, this is, you know, let's try this three-week experiment. It's not going to be fun sometimes. But I, I think that if you, if you really commit to it, you're going to feel a lot better after those three weeks, and you're going to want to do another three-week experiment. And we're going to continue from there. That's why I love this time of the year because for January, we think, oh, how are we going to better ourselves? And it's such a great gateway into setting up habits that hopefully will last beyond January. And for me, I became vegetarian, full on vegetarian through a challenge. And one of my friends was trying to do a 10 day vegetarian challenge because he was a belly dancer. And he didn't make it through the 10 days, but I did and then became vegetarian forever. So I really love having the goal in place and then trying beyond that day by day by day. Do you think anyone can live a, a plant-based lifestyle or do you think it's a special type of person with a massive amount of discipline and resolve? No, there's nothing special about me that allows me to do it that other people can't. Are there an incredibly small amount of people that maybe can't thrive on a plant predominant diet or an entirely plant-based diet? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, 
I've heard that before, but I'm sure I'm not ever talking to those people. It seems like it requires this Spartan-esque level of willpower, but I certainly don't have that. It just requires changes of habits. Anybody can do it. It seems so difficult on the other side of it. I know that. What they're hearing is I have to change everything about myself to become this whole new person and become this, quote, vegan. You know, and I always tell people that before I was vegan, like I said, I was a seventh generation Texan who loved barbecue and burgers, football and boxing. And now that I'm a vegan, I'm a seventh generation Texan who loves barbecue and burgers, football and boxing. It's just all plant based now. It's the only difference. I'm still the same person. Nothing changed. I still enjoy all the same things I did. And I enjoy them more because I can do I can engage in them without guilt or or fear or anything like that. Were there emotional low points along your journey since 2016? I know you mentioned that food was comfort for you. So once you became plant-based, how did that look and how did you get through your struggles without relying on food as comfort as you once did? You know, I had to create meaningful connection, meaningful purpose in my life to replace it. Uh, And I think that's true for everybody. Uh, Every human on this planet has needs. They have physical, psychological, and emotional needs. And when those needs aren't being met in our lives in a natural way, we will fill them in an unnatural way, whether that's with processed food, drugs, sex, gambling. Not that sex is unnatural, but using sex as, as for that is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I had to say, okay, I, I was getting, I, I was using food to, as, as a way of filling a need that I wasn't meeting. And I had to say, okay, I've got to, I've got to find a way to do that. I've got to find a way to, to find meaningful purpose and connection in my life that will give me what, what I need emotionally and psychologically. The food I was eating was going to give me the physical thing that I needed. It was going to make me feel better physically. It was going to change the way I looked and therefore change the way I felt about myself physically. And so for me, it was becoming an animal rights photojournalist and dedicating my life to animal activism is what gave me that meaningful purpose in my life that I was missing before when my life was just online video games and pizza. Can you share like a picture of your life now? It's been many years since you made this shift and how are you feeling? How's your mental health? How has your life changed since that sort of turning point? Well, my life is certainly a lot bigger than it used to be. Since then, I, I, I've traveled the world. I've, I've worked with people like Sean Monson, Walking Phoenix and Moby and Rooney Mara. Uh, I've rescued over 100 animals from slaughterhouses. I, I've done things that I never thought I would do or that I thought that, that that person that could do it was gone. You know, when I was out of college and I was overweight, I thought that was the person I could never be again. It's difficult for me to say that like my mental health is in a good place because of what I do. Full disclosure, I had just spent 12 weeks in a mental health clinic for PTSD because I spent seven years in slaughterhouses and factory farms documenting abuse of animals. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know if I would be stand, I would I don't know if I would be here today. I don't know if I could have done that and be here today and not have done something to hurt myself if I didn't have so much purpose and so much meaningful connection in what I was doing. Can everybody do can everybody be 
a frontline activist who goes on kill floors? No. And you don't have to be. Somehow I was able to do it for seven years. I also had a lot of trauma that I was not addressing uh, that, that I finally did address. But in terms of every other part of my life, because of the changes I made in my diet and because of the way I changed my perspective and how I move through the world and how I connect with other people and show up for people and, and, and help people, that has created a future for me that is something I want to be a part of versus a future for me that I, I don't know, you know, like when I was playing video games and eating pizza, you know, I didn't know if I was going to live to be 55 years old. You know, I thought, well, if I keep living like this, I probably won't make it. You know, and now I'll not only make it, I don't know what I could be doing, but the things I've done so far have been very exciting and very fulfilling. If you could talk to yourself when now, back to talk to yourself when you were feeling at a very low point, or if you could say something to people who are feeling right now very low and trapped and having a hard time finding that love for themselves, even though like all these things that you're achieving now, you could have done then, you were just in a low low point like what would you say to yourself or other people that are feeling in that space right now i think it would be what i said earlier i would tell myself that you're loved and you matter whether you're happy or not whether you're healthy or not uh whether you're using or or depressed or not these things don't define who you are and they don't define the value that you bring to other people and to yourself you're not a machine with broken parts. Things can get better. You know, there's nothing about you that's broken that means that things can't get better and that you can't improve. But, you know, I, I stay away from saying things like advice on how to fix themselves because that's not the message you want to send to somebody who's feeling broken because they're, they're, these are, we are not broken people. Nobody is broken. And unfortunately, we have created a society that says if you're feeling these, emotions, well, that's fine. But if you're feeling this spectrum of the emotions, uh, maybe take these pills so that society will be okay with you being around us, because that's not really something that we want out here. And it makes you feel like, oh, well, there must be something wrong with me then. But this is an unintended consequence of medication, that there's something wrong with me that the world doesn't accept. So I've got to take this to become a version that they will accept. Instead, we need to say, you are accepted and you are, you are loved and you have value just the way you are. And there's nothing about you that needs to be fixed. The only thing you need to change is the habits that you're making, the decisions that you're making, the lifestyle choices that you're making. That's probably what I would say. I think that's really beautiful and powerful. And I'm sure many people are feeling grateful to hear that. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your story and your journey. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Before we sign off, I am publishing a book of, of my photography that I've documented for the last eight years. I understand if that it's not for everybody. It's it's documenting animals in transport and arriving at slaughterhouses. I get it if people don't if they're not interested in that type of book. I just want to put it out there that it will be coming out. Congratulations on coming out with the book, and thank you for bravely stepping into the space of sharing things that many people don't want to see. And I think it's going to be a powerful resource. And we'll link all of that in the show notes for people who want to connect with you or find you. Where can people 
find you on social media? Do you have um, a website? Is Instagram best? Where can people connect? Yeah, Instagram is the best. It's just at Bobby Side. I'm also on Facebook, Robert Side. I don't have a website that I use regularly or anything. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you so much to Bobby for coming on and sharing his story. I always appreciate when our guests come on and feel comfortable being unfiltered and going deeper with us. What he shared was so personal and we hope that there's something in this episode for you that can be inspiring. This is such an exciting time. January is so full of potential. So hope that you can get inspired. We have tons of stuff happening right now. Michelle and I have a lot of resources to support you. We've got our meal plan challenge where we're active in the Facebook group. We have a plant-based on a budget meal plan Facebook group. So check that out. We've got tons of recipes that are easy, affordable on worldofvegan.com and plantbasedonabudget.com. And we're going to list all these in the show notes at plantpoweredpodcast.com. Yes. And then as Tony mentioned earlier, we just launched the Thrive Bundle and it's got an incredible array of eBooks and courses and um, cookbooks and more meal plans. So you can find that at thrivebundle.com. And that's a limited time. It's only available for a few more days. So if you're listening right at the start of the new year, check out thrivebundle.com. And I'm wishing us all the courage and strength and vulnerability to channel our inner Bobby <laughs> and make some really positive changes for ourselves in this new year. A quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode. You can stock up on vitamin B12 from Global Healing at globalhealing.com. And if you're looking for a fantastic source of probiotics, check out seed at seed.com slash plantpowered and use our code plantpowered to get 30% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. We will be back in two weeks as usual, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.